Okay, um, my name is Ruth Brown. This is my husband, Paul. And we're from the Royston Church, Plumline Church, the Trinity Life Church. And we've been there for many, many years. Um, and that's essentially who we are. If you want to know more, come and talk to me afterwards, because a lot of these people already have, have met me. Um, I hate, hate it when speakers assume, just because they're so big and great that everyone knows who they are. That's horrible. <laughs> so I don't want to make that assumption, but I also don't want to repeat myself. My daughter tells me off that I constantly repeat myself. Um, so we've just sung what a powerful name. And um, just before I get going on the actual preach, I just wanted to tell you about an initiative called The Wall. Has anyone heard of it? The Wall. Uh, well, it makes me think of Pink Floyd, but, you know. Um, <laughs> oh, you're thinking of Trump. Yeah, okay. Yes, it's not that. Um, okay, there's a guy called Richard Gamble, um, who's based somewhere in the Midlands, who um, has put... The, it's basically a vision God's given him to build a monument to our Christian heritage, heritage of this land. And it's going to be in a very prominent place near the M1, the um, high-speed two railway and under a flight path. Um, he won't give away the exact location, but somewhere in the Midlands. And it's going to be there. And um, I, to be honest, when they showed us the video um, before he came to our church, I was slightly like, I'm not so sure about this. When he came, the guy's so real, so grounded. I feel like almost like he doesn't really want to do this, but God's really got him. You know, he, he was thinking about it for 10 years before he even started. And the, the, honestly, the miracles that he talked about, about how God's provided, brought people to him, etc., he, he could go on all day. But the reason I'm telling you is because what he needs from the church is examples of answered prayer. Because there are going to be a million bricks in this monument, and each one is going to represent an answered prayer. And he needs the church to send in their answered prayers. So if you've got any answered prayers, um, that could be the answer was no, but it could be that it, the answer was yes. Um, so significant prayers that you, that God has answered in your life that you would like to use to encourage other people, send them into the wall. You can find it online. And, uh, what each brick is gonna be, it'll be like a, um, you'll be able to put your mobile phone up to it and then it'll tell you the story of the answered prayer. That kind of thing. It's a technological kind. Kind of thing, um, and the various there are five designs that have been shortlisted for this monument. Um, so it's 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 in its early sort of in its early stages, but he needs a million answered prayers. So this church, the church, he's trying to galvanise a church across the land to send them in. Um, I've written down eleven so far. Well, um, I've, I've put I haven't actually written them yet, but I've I've just started sort of writing them. Um, but that he he needs money as well, but the. First and foremost, from the church, he needs the answer prayer. So I encourage you to go to the website, The Wall, it's called, Richard Gamble. Okay, that's, that's enough advertising. Um, okay, so to, this morning, we're preach, I'm talking about Jesus' return. Um, and uh, there are many mixed emotions when you start talking about Jesus' return, when you start talking about what Revelation speaks about. And so first thing I'd like you to do is think, this is a reflective exercise, to think about what's my hope and what's my fear. So Paul's going to come round with some post-it notes. I want you to write your hope on one, preferably green, and your fear maybe on a pink or orange one. It doesn't have to be, but yeah. So people need two post-it notes each. Um, This is going to be really difficult. And while Paul does that, um, I'm just going to talk to you a bit. So this feels like my yearly visit, because this is the third time I've been in in, in January. And uh, may it long continue, because I absolutely love sharing with you. Um, there's a real sense this morning of, of Jesus' presence here and his grace, isn't there? 
And the word I'm going to bring, be bringing you is primarily a word of exhortation and encouragement. I have, a, I have a bit of a reputation for being quite challenging, but today it's largely about exhortation and encouragement. And just to say, you know, a lot happens in a year, doesn't it? I think this time last year, you just moved in here? Oh, that's two years ago, was it? Two years. Was that two years ago? Right, that must have been the first time I came, because this is my third time. Well, um, a lot has happened in my life in, since I last was here a year ago, um, because in May last year, um, I had a surprise win in a local election, and I became a town councillor and a district councillor overnight. Um, and it, it was a bit of a surprise. So um, it rather threw me. It wasn't on my list of goals. So the previous year, I got 12 out of my 14 goals. This last year, I didn't do very well because I didn't see this coming. But God knew, didn't he? God knew, and God is always in control. So a lot can happen in a year, and that has really made a big difference to my life. Hopefully, it's increased my sphere of influence. It's also increased the opposition I'm experiencing. Um, And um, the main thing I'm trying to achieve is to bring light into darkness, is to create openness and transparency. And um, I'm constantly reminded that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but about the, the spiritual powers of darkness. And, that, and we are trying to push those back to extend God's kingdom. So, write, have, get your pen out. Write down one hope, one fear when you think about Jesus' return. Jesus is coming again. This, I'm not going to ask you to share this, so be honest with yourself at least. One hope, one fear. And then you can keep it in your Bible and we'll, we'll ask at the end how you feel. Don't see much writing going on. This is where... I, they're, they're thinking, lots of thinking going. I think I started late, didn't I, Mel? Yeah, I'm worried about the time. Okay, one hope and one fear. So, um, can we have the next slide, please, uh, Simon? So, I'm sure you all know your statement of faith, but I just want to draw attention to one part of it. So, in your church statement of faith, it says this, we believe in the eternal deity and the true humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ. I've missed out some bits, that's why I put dot, dot, dot. His personal and bodily future return for the church. This is a foundational doctrine of this church. It's a foundation of our faith. Personal and bodily future return for the church. Jesus is coming back. Um, I wonder how many of you have heard a teaching on the second coming in the last five years? Hands up. How many in the last five years? One, two. Okay. How many have never heard a teaching on the second coming? Oh, well, at least that's good. Great. I personally think this subject is grossly undertaught. And I don't think we really understand it very well as a church. And um, I like I like educating people, and that's my primary thing is being an educator. So there's a lot of content in this sermon, not like last year where you, where you got your mobile phones out. Sorry, won't be any of that this year. I know the youth loved it when I said that. But um, so this doctrine is really important. Um, there are 300 references in the New Testament to the Second Coming. There are over 50 references in Paul's epistles. And the Old Testament prophecy 
has far more references to the second coming than to the first. And when you think there were around 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that were fulfilled in Jesus' first coming, there are more about the second coming. So it is a very important doctrine. Um, So that's the first point really to make. And the second point around the, the importance of the doctrine is that it is our hope. So Simon, if we could have the next slide... This is one of my favorite scriptures. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And we've heard a bit about that grace this morning, haven't we? It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Did you know you're only in the waiting room? We are waiting. This life is about waiting. The early church had a sense of of that's what they were about. They were waiting for the second coming. Everything they did was motivated by that. And what I love about this scripture is it, it, in essence, brings today together with the future. It's saying that this hope that we have of Jesus coming back is is the motivation for practical Christian living right now. So Titus is quite a practical book. It's saying that this this hope is what motivates us now. And there are many other scriptures, which I'm not going to go into, but there's scriptures about brotherly love, about holiness, about meeting together, about being faithful to our calling, about a passion for souls, about comfort in bereavement, all of which are linked to the second coming. So it, it is a motivation for how we live now. We are in the waiting room until Jesus comes comes again to take us with him into glory. So, it's a very important doctrine. So, what do we know about Jesus' return? I'm going to do a little, ask you, shout out some things. What do you know? Just first thing you think of. What do you know? Be brave. He's coming on the clouds, yep. Twinkle of an eye. Other ideas? Trumpets. There are going to be some trumpets. Nobody will miss it. Every knee will bow, yeah. We don't know when it will be. Great. Some, some taken and some left. It's a bit sobering, isn't it? Yeah. They're all, all completely biblical things that you've said. Um, so you've thrown out some, some things that we know about Jesus' return. And what I'm going to talk about is I'm going to talk about what will it be like, when will he come back, What's the purpose and how should we respond? So that's where I'm going, just to signpost you. Okay? But first, I just want to talk about something that's called prophetic foreshortening. Has anyone heard of this? Anybody heard of the term prophetic foreshortening? Okay, so this is a quote from uh, Baker's Evangelical Dictionary of Biblical Theology. It says, The prophet is said to have seen two separate events in the future juxtaposed like two mountains. Can we have the slide? One in front of the other. The one event was much closer in time than the other, but he saw the two together through what we call prophetic foreshortening. So the prophet is standing where that stick man is, and he's seeing two events, but he can't see the bit in the middle. Okay? So he, he it looks to him from where he's standing as if they happen together. Okay? There are lots of lots of references in the Bible to... where we can see this at work. 
But I'm just going to show you one. So if we go to the next slide, this is one example. So in Isaiah 9, we have, for to us a child is born. That refers to Jesus' first coming. That has happened. In the same scripture, it says he will reign on David's throne. That refers to Jesus' second coming. So we've got two in one. The, the Isaiah could not distinguish the time difference, but he saw clearly what God was saying. So it, it's important when we look at the second coming to see that, because lots of prophecies about the first coming also have bits about the second coming. Um, and you, the way you can discern it is by seeing what's already been fulfilled and what hasn't. Um, so it's actually not too difficult to work out which is which. Um, so that sort of, sort of underpins what I'm saying. Next, can we just go to the next slide? So just to, for your encouragement, I want to tell you about the believer's destiny. So I'm sure you all know this anyway. When we die in this life, we go to be with Jesus, but we, our spirit goes. And when Jesus comes back, that's when we get a new body, a resurrection body. And then we go and inhabit the new heaven and earth with Jesus when he finally comes to reign. When, um, and that's the eternal state, the new order that I'll talk a bit more about. So that's our destiny. I won't talk about the unbeliever's destiny. That's not quite so happy. Um, but that's what happens. So we will not be redeemed in our body until Jesus returns. Okay. Um, right. So has anybody read Revelation recently? Yes. What is the purpose of the book of Revelation? Sorry? To reveal, yes. Yes. What, what is it? The, oh, there's one thing that's said in, right at the start of Revelation that's not said in any other book. What, what will happen to the reader who reads Revelation? They will be blessed. Okay. Um, so reading the book of Revelation, which often I find Christians are quite fearful of, is actually a blessing. Uh, Paul, would you do the handouts? I've got some handouts because what I'm, there's a lot of content in this, so you've got some fill the blanks to keep you, keep you on, on task. Hopefully keep you with me. Yes. Yes, that was a resurrection body. I think that was a foretelling, almost like a foretelling of what will, it will be like. Yeah, I don't, don't claim to understand all the intricacies of this. Um, okay. So let's move on then to talk about what will the second coming be like. So let's have the first bit up. The next slide. Can I just have the first point up? What will Jesus' return be like? So I've got six points here. Um, it, firstly, it will be personal. It says in John 14, I will come back. And uh, Acts, 11, Acts 1, 11 says, Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. It couldn't be, more, couldn't be clearer, could it? It's this same Jesus, I will come back. So it's personal. Same Jesus is coming back for us uh, to earth. Secondly, it's bodily. So Jesus is actually going to physically come back to earth. It says in Zechariah 14.4 that on that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. And if you look into that scripture in the context of it, it's very clear that that has not been uh, uh, 
fulfilled in the first coming. What will he be like when he comes back in terms of his body? I think the best clue we've got is what he looked like when he came back as the resurrected Jesus. They recognized him, but they sort of didn't recognize him. He could walk through walls. He could eat. It was kind of a bit, his body was similar but different. It was a glorious resurrection body. I think that's the only way. That's the best clue we have. And I imagine that that's something what he will look like. We don't actually know, but that's the best, best clue we have. It's in the future. So as I said, there are many prophecies that have not yet been fulfilled relating to Jesus coming back. And um, if we are unsure about how the prophecies around the second coming will be fulfilled, again, our best clue is to look at how the prophecies of the first coming were fulfilled. So they were mostly, but they were fulfilled literally. The Messiah became a man. He was born of a virgin. He was born in Bethlehem. Those were fulfilled literally. So why shouldn't he come and stand on the Mount of Olives literally? Okay. Challenging to imagine, I know. But if we, this is the best clue we have. So it's in the future. It will be visible. And, and Simon said this. He's coming back in the same way. They saw him go into heaven. He's coming back in the same way. And it says in Revelation 1-7, look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on, peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be, amen. Every eye will see him. You know, I wonder when John wrote that, what he, I mean, he obviously got that revelation from God, but what, what was he thinking? Because, you know, how, how is that physically possible that every eye would see him? But then you think about our modern communications and social media, and actually that becomes more of a possibility, doesn't it? Um, so God, God knows what he's doing. Let, let's not be, you know, let's not worry about it. He, he does know, and he will fulfill these prophecies. Um, and in Matthew 24, it says, as lightning is visible. So there are three clear scriptures there that say it will be visible. We will see him. We won't. No, no, as Simon said, nobody will be able to miss him. Um, it will be sudden. So um, 2 Peter 3.10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Um, and another place it says, at, in Matthew 24, it says, at an hour when you do not expect. In Thessalonians, it says, as labor pains on a pregnant woman. Anybody experienced that? <laughs> yeah. Was it sudden? Some, yeah. So sudden in that way, like a thief in the night, at an hour we don't expect, as labor pains on a pregnant woman. And so... It, we, we don't know when it, well, I'm coming on to that. Sorry. It will be sudden. And it will be glorious. Um, then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. That's from Matthew 24, 30. He is gonna, it's gonna be glorious. So Jesus' first coming was on a sort of was humble, it was in obscurity, it was um, hidden, apart from those to whom God revealed it. But his second coming, every eye is going to see, it's going to be in great power and glory. And you can actually, that's a useful um, exercise to do actually as a study. Have a look at the first and second coming and, and contrast them. So he came in obscurity, he's going to come 
openly, so everyone will see. He came in humility, this time he's going to come in glory. So there are some contrasting things you can, you can look at between the first and second coming. So it will be quite different, um, but no one will be able to miss it. So that's about what will it be like. So let's move on then to when will Jesus return? And someone quite rightly said, no one knows. No one knows the exact timing of Jesus's return. Um, in Matthew 24, 36, it says, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. So Jesus doesn't actually know when he's coming back. Only the father knows. And we are not to know, in, in actual fact. So when you see somebody saying, you know, Jesus is coming back on this particular day or that particular day, you, there are always a few people that like to calculate it. You can be sure of one thing, they are wrong. <laughs> well, because he said it would be when we didn't expect. So if you've got the date, it's wrong. Okay? So there you go. So don't worry about them. Um, I'm sure some of them are very well-meaning. I don't mean to say that they're not, but... But the scripture is very clear that we are not to know, that we don't know, and the son doesn't even know. Um, so no one will know the exact timing. How are you doing with your sheets, by the way? You should have done quite a few fill the gaps by now. Have you got, you've got the first few? Yep. Okay. Um, right, Matthew 24. Matthew 24 is when Jesus answers his disciples... Um, around their question about what, what will be the sign of the end of the age. And in that chapter, there are a few things that are included. So one thing is uh, what we call religious apostasy, which is basically people turning their back on God, people turning away from God. That is something we'll see. Another one is persecution of the church, but also their worldwide, worldwide witness of the church. So in hand in hand, the church will become more persecuted, but it will also witness more. Um, and certainly in many parts of the world, the church is really, really persecuted. Um, and we are reaching more people. Um, so there, there are still unreached tribes and, and languages, but, but the, the gospel is going out into all nations. Um, there will be wars and conflict between nations. See any of that? And there will be disturbances in the natural order. Anyone notice those? Um, Obviously, media, we hear more, but I'm told by sort of environmentalist climate scientists that actually um, sort of adverse, you know, extreme weather events, extreme environmental things, earthquakes, all those kinds of things are actually increasing. It's not just that we hear more about them. They are increasing. And they are signs of the end of the age. People turning away from God is increasing. Persecution is increasing. Wars and conflicts are increasing. Did you know that the UK has been involved in war, active service, every single year since 1945, apart from one year. I, I found that out at the Tank Museum, and I was absolutely gobsmacked. Um, but, you know, it, there are wars going on that sometimes we hear very little about, but wars and conflict between nations are increasing. So the, there are the signs of the end of the age are there. We see them all around us. Um, in Thessalonians, it says that it won't be until the, the man of lawlessness is revealed. And we see increasingly lawlessness um, and at what point that actually happens. He is actually revealed. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't really understand that bit, but that's what it says. Um, 
Have you got it right in your eyes, Paul? Yeah, not very good. <laughs> so um, what are we on to? No one knows. Um, next point. Oh, the gospel must be preached to all nations. So at the end, in Matthew 24, it says this. Um, and when it says all nations, it doesn't mean nations as in political nations. It means every tribe and every language. And um, I've done a whole other sermon on this about how many unreached people groups there are. There's still quite a lot. But um, because of modern communications, because they can now translate the Bible in five years instead of 25, and all these things, the, the, the ability to reach those people is, is increasing. Um, so I, I can't remember what the last estimates were, but I think it could be we could do it within 50 years. So um, we're talking about this. This is fast approaching. Um, God's timescales, though, are different from ours. Peter says that with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. And although it is near, there is a, there is a delay. James talks about the delay. He says, um, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. So what, why would God delay? Absolutely, Tara's got it absolutely right. To give more people a chance. So I, I, it's a scripture that I love in 2 Peter 3, which says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. He is patient with you, wanting everyone to come to repentance. So that is why God delays. And that's hence why we've got to wait for the preaching to get to the end of the world, because he wants... He is a just and gracious God that wants everyone to have a chance to repent and come to him and, you know, to hear the message of good news. However, we can hasten it. So in 2 Peter 3, it says, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. So we can speed its coming by actively praying and actively reaching the lost. We can speed the coming because it is linked to when people will hear. And it's the church is... The church is the vehicle that God is going to use to reach the nations. So we can actually speed its coming. So that's a little bit about when will Jesus return. How am I doing for time? Wow. I need to rush on. Okay, so hopefully you've completed those bits of your sheet. Uh, oh, no, I didn't do that, did I? I didn't put that on the sheet. Jesus. So what? what is the purpose of Jesus' return? So Jesus is coming back to complete the work of redemption. In Hebrews 9, it says that the first coming was about bearing sin. The second coming is to complete that salvation. He is coming to complete our redemption. I said before that we will be redeemed in our bodies. That has not happened yet. And that is the work of redemption that's to be completed. Um, It's about implementation of his victory that was won on the cross. So it says in Revelation that they couldn't find anyone worthy to open the scroll. It was only the Lamb. So the lamb came and opened the scroll, and that's what released the final judgment. But they had to find someone worthy. So it's about, he has won the victory, but it hasn't been fully implemented. We haven't seen the full effects of it until Jesus comes again. Um, And it's about establishing a new order for eternity. It says in Revelation 21, another one of my favorite verses, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. There'll be no more mourning, no more crying, no more... No more pain, no more death. I mean, are you looking forward to that day? When we see no more of that? So it's about completing resumption. It's also about resurrection and judgment. Uh, Jesus is coming back 
to judge the living and the dead, as it says in the creed. Um, Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good, what is good, will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. And that is really sobering, which is why God wants us to reach out to others. We don't want anyone to perish. That's quite right. She's clapping. She doesn't want anyone to perish. Um, So resurrection and judgment. So the believers will have a glorious destiny. The unbelievers will not. And he's coming to deliver the church. So I'm sure people have heard of the rapture. You heard of the rapture? Rapture comes from the Latin rapio, meaning caught up. And it comes from this scripture in Thessalonians, which says, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will be with the Lord forever. So for those of us who do not die physically before Jesus comes again, we're going flying, folks. So, yeah, there you are. Um, it's right there. It says he would come as he went. He went up in the clouds when they saw him go. He's coming down the same way and he's going to take us with him. So it's to deliver the church. And, and it's, it's very clear in scripture that the church will not have to suffer the final wrath. Now, whatever you believe about the tribulation and millennium, and I'm not going into that this morning, um, we, I believe that we are actually in a period of tribulation. The church is being persecuted worldwide. But the final wrath of God, believers will not experience that because it says we will escape that. And he's going to take us up with him. And so he's coming to deliver the church. And he's also coming to remove Satan. And when Satan is thrown into that lake of fire, there will be no more pain and suffering because that all comes through evil, through sin in the world. That's where it comes from. That's where suffering comes from. So it all be gone. What a glorious day. Um, so the pur- that's, those are the purposes of Jesus' return, to complete redemption, to bring resurrection for believers and judgment for the, for the believers and unbelievers. And we will be judged for how we've done what he called us to. We will be judged for a reward, not for our eternal destiny. We already, those who believe in Jesus are clearly already saved, will be with him forever. But we, there is a reward according to what we've done with what he asked us to do. Um, and the, the unbelievers will be judged according to their deeds, which won't go well for them because no one can match up to God's standards. Um, he'll deliver the church and he'll remove Satan forever, forever, because the devil is still has some areas of authority, although Jesus has won the victory ultimately. As I said, it hasn't been totally implemented on the earth. It talks about Satan being the prince of the air. So that's when we get opposition. Those are the spiritual forces that come against us. Um, so it's good news for us as believers when Jesus comes. So what should we do about it? What is the, how should we respond? So we need to watch and be ready because we don't know when it's going to happen. It's going to be sudden. Um, in the New Testament, believers are urged to be ready about 50 times. Think about the virgins with the oil, the ones that had oils ready in their lamp and the ones that didn't. The ones that went off to get oil, they missed it. So don't, make sure you've got oil in your lamp. Keep burning, yeah? Always got oil. Be ready. Um, (laughs) we need to stand firm in faith. So the book of Revelation is supposed to encourage us to endure suffering. We need to stand firm. Tony said you've heard quite a lot about end times and suffering. Well, we need to stand firm in this period because that is, 
essentially what God calls us to do, just to stand firm in faith. We need to live with eternity in mind. So we need to be living, as I said, we're in the waiting room. We're not there yet. We need to, eternity is our home. We are just, we are aliens and strangers here on this earth. Our kingdom, our citizenship is in heaven. So we're living with eternity in mind. So let everything you do on the earth here be shaped by eternity. Is what I'm doing today of value for eternity? That's, that's how we should measure what we do. Share our faith and speed his coming. So the, every opportunity to give a response to someone, every opportunity to talk about Jesus. I, I, Christmas is a great opportunity, isn't it? And I usually manage to tell at least one person about what we did with our kids when they were little. And I'll give Tony and, Tony and Janice credit for this because they, t- Janice said to me when our, her kids were very young, we teach our kids that um, Father Christmas is pretend and Jesus is real. And I thought, what a great thing. So we, did, we copied them and we did that with our kids. And so now at Christmas, when people start talking about, oh, well, they won't believe in Father Christmas anymore, I said, well, actually, my kids never did because Father Christmas is pretend, but Jesus is real. And they sort of look at me, get the Jesus word out there. Um, and um, so we need to take every opportunity to share our faith and speed is coming. Um, and finally, look forward with hope. This is not all there is. This is not the end, particularly when we're in trouble and things are difficult. He is coming back. And he's coming back for a glorious bride. We're going to be without spot and blemish. He's coming to take us home with him. It's going to be great. Um, so let's look forward to it. So oh, I'm way, way over time. Right? So finally, what I'd like to do is I'd like us to say this together. So um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say the words of Jesus, and I want you to say the response. We want him to come back, don't we? Let's declare it. So yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. We want him to come. Have we got time for our final song? Yes. I'd, I'd like to quickly just run you through the words. We're going to sing Days of Elijah together, um, which is a declaration, a song of declaration about Jesus' return. So um, I just want to explain a few things. Uh, I think that one's fairly straightforward. So we're, we're declaring the word of the Lord. We're restoring righteousness, as, as Moses and Elijah did. Oh, Andrew, you can come up. Um, we are experiencing trials, famine, darkness, and sword. We see those, don't we? But we are the voice. We're, we're the prophetic voice crying out to people about Jesus. Then, uh, that's, behold, he comes riding on the clouds. We've seen that, haven't we? Shining like the sun at the trumpet call. This is all in scripture. Um, the year of Jubilee. So when Jesus came, he quoted from Isaiah 61 about the blind seeing, the deaf hearing, the oppressed being released. This is the day of the Lord's favor, the year of Jubilee. And then he did. He stopped there. He didn't say the next bit, which is, and the day of wrath. So we are currently in that period between Joseph's first and second coming, which is the period of Jubilee, the period where people can be released from sin, where people can come to Jesus. Won't last forever, though. And then finally, out of Zion's hill, out of the Mount of Olives, salvation will come. And that means salvation, body, soul, and spirit will come. Um, yeah, most of this is fairly straightforward. Uh, can you go to go back to the final verse? Just check. Uh, right, the fields are white as white in the world, so we need to get out there and tell people before Jesus returns. So, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's declare His coming together. <laughs>